This episode of Adventures in Aurelia is brought to you by Gabe and Jeff from Inner Party Conflict, Fred on Fire, Avora Dawn, Powerful Condor, and Moto Ghoul on Patreon. You can join them in supporting the show at patreon.com forward slash adventures in Aurelia. And welcome to Adventures in Aurelia, a podcast where five friends sit around the table and record themselves playing Dungeons and Dragons. I'm Krista, and I play Ariel, an Asmar Divine Soul Sorceress. I'm Chantel, and I play Kanina, a Tiefling Sorcerer. I'm Chris, and I play Rim, a Human Paladin. I'm Caitlin, I play Tempest, a Water Genasi Ranger. And I'm Damien, I'm the DM. So before we get started today, we have some fun news to share, and that is that once again, we have been able to commission Daniel Lee to do more art for us. We are currently getting a set of twin daggers drawn by him, and by the time you guys are hearing this, hopefully that art is out, and you can find it on our website and in Discord. This is going to be a follow-up to when he did Fioc for us a few months ago. And I'm super excited that he opened up commissions once again and that we were able to secure a spot. It's really nice. Patrons have been helping us be able to afford this art. And we're actually currently at a stage where we can afford to commission one magical weapon from him per month with a little bit of a tip. Very nice. I'm just happy to start having things visualized from the actual world that I've been working on for the last like five years. I'd love to get the the party commissioned by him too, because seeing his character art was originally how I started talking to him about doing weapons, and I like his character design as well. But the the scale of budget between one weapon and five characters is orders of magnitude different. So hopefully in a, in a year or two, be able to, to save up and go ahead and commission the big one. Also going on in the Gunna Geek Network right now, a lot of shows that we are close to have been on hiatus for a bit. The Gunna Geek Show and Better Podcasting both took a hiatus for the last couple months of the year. However, I know that Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is still going on for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and we're still going on. Our our episodes are coming out a little more spaced out than I'd like, but that's also because the production value has been going further and further up, which is making things take longer. Also, life is busy. I'm SP from Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a show about the general Marvel comic universe, part of the Guinea Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other hilarious and fun geeky shows at guineageeknetwork.com. Previously on Adventures in Aurelia. After playing some of the games outside, the party makes their way back into the Port Norsal Arena to see what has been set up now that the main event is over. They find an archery range, melee ring, a strange mechanical creature people are trying to ride, and a mysterious tent in the colors of the Midnight Carnival. Tempest and Kanina are most excited to head over to the mechanical creature and try their luck and endurance with it, though they convince Ariel to give it a try as well. Afterwards, 
Everyone goes to see what the mysterious tent is all about and learn that it is a fortune teller. They sit through a couple of rituals before making their ways back to get food and head to their rooms. Meanwhile, Rem goes back to check on the status of his armor. So we are picking things up tonight on the 5th of Mananon, getting into mid-evening or so. The whole party has all made their way back to your guys' room at the Farron's favor. Kanina had just attuned to her sword. Rem had just gotten back from his second armor fitting over at Dern the Blacksmith. The armor piece, Rem has paid a little bit more to have some more time put into getting it fit very well for him, so will not be leaving with his new mithril chest plate. It'll be arriving hopefully a few days after you guys do. And Ariel and Tempest had been hanging out in the kind of common area of your guys' penthouse suite, and we'll begin kind of going into the night on the 5th. I thought Nina was attuning to her. She already did. She pretty much finished that. And I imagine after she has finished that and headed back from the balcony where she had taken some time alone to uh, look over her sword, she will probably go back inside and see about getting some dinner or just resting, waiting to catch up with the rest of the group. Okay, and your guys' room, you did have the the complimentary charcuterie board laid out for you. A couple on the cheaper end, because they're complimentary bottles of wine. You guys have been told that if you'd like to actually order like a meal, then you can head downstairs and talk to Elowen or Tariel, whoever happens to be at the front desk at that time. Mm-hmm. Well, I imagine that Ariel is probably going to grab her journal to write down about the carnival, and she's going to grab some of the food off the charcuterie board and sit down and munch in, like, the common area and just write about all the cool stuff she saw (laughs) and the yummy apple pie. Rem just got back from visiting the blacksmith. What, What do you do as you come back to the rest of the party hanging out in the room? Uh... Rem would just come back and probably sit down and wait. He had no plans beyond that. Yeah, I I think we're probably wrapping up for the night. Probably just munching on the charcuterie board since I imagine is, you know, it's it's quite filling as we all will know. (laughs) And uh, taking some time to rest and recover from the day, share some stories of what we explored around the carnival. So Ariel will look up from her notes and she'll be like, oh yeah, we're leaving early in the morning, right? What? When are we doing that? Uh, yeah, we have to leave um, for the ship about 9 a.m. Or we have to, we're leaving with the ship at 9 a.m. So we probably want to get there a little bit early so we can pack up and make sure our wagon is ready to go. I intend to get up as early as usual because I have another errand I want to take care of before we leave for the day. I know it was brought up to us uh, when we first entered the city that uh, we should perhaps mention to the uh, leaders that we had killed Grimfang. I'll admit that I uh, kind of uh, slipped out of my mind when we got distracted by the carnival. There's so much fun and livery going on. <laughs> yeah, that's probably a good idea. Are you going to be working out like you usually do? Yes. All right. Will you wake me up? We'll do. All right. And then I'm going to afterwards grab a shower before we have to be on a ship for a long time again. That is true. It'll be another several days of travel. But perhaps uh, we should all go as a group early in the morning before we take off to go see the uh, leaders of the town. To make sure that uh, we all get, you know, the story and the credit and whatnot. Okay. Sounds like a plan. I plan to be up at uh, dawn's rise. All right. Then I won't stay up late. (laughs) (laughs) 
Now do we advance to the next day? Yes. Yeah. Right, so we'll bid each other good evening and we'll plan to turn in. Kanina will at least so that she can <laughs> get a good, good night's sleep. So after you guys kind of settle your plans to go, it sounds like talk to the quote-unquote leaders of Port Norsal in the morning. The party all splits off into their quarters and heads to bed for the night. We advance into the 6th of Mananon, early morning, about in the 5 to 6 in the morning range, as Kanina and Rem are first to awake. Kanina, who always wakes up early to get some exercise in, and Rem, who typically wakes up fairly early because he is an old crotchety man <laughs> that wakes up at the side of dawn. <laughs> Yes. Having got up early in the morning, Kanina will proceed to make her rounds. She'll probably let Tempest sleep in a little bit more since she does have some time while we exercise in the early morning. (laughs) Just please don't forget about me. And uh, she'll uh, proceed to wake herself up a bit and wake up Ariel to go start our morning exercises. Just be like, wakey, wakey, Ariel. Time to get those limbs moving. Already. Okay. (laughs) Rem, who also wakes up early... Are you hanging out in your room as you hear Ariel and Kanina start getting up to do some exercise? He'd probably be going back over all of his packing, make sure everything's put away, ready to go. And after Ariel and Kanina do your guys' hour or so of exercise, what do you guys do next? I know you said you wanted to let Tempest sleep a little bit more. At this point, Rem has yet to come out of his room, but you've heard motion in there. You've heard the, the sounds of things shuffling around. At this point in time, uh, Kanina will probably wrap up her exercises and ask Ariel to go uh, wake Rem if he's not already awake, and Kanina will go and bug Tempest. So uh, Ariel's going to go knock on Rem's door. Yeah. Oh, good. You're awake. I'm going to go shower, and then I think... Nina had some plans for us to go talk to some people before we left this morning. All right. And I'm going to go walk to the showers. Kina will go ahead and uh, rap rather loudly on Tempest's door, just because that is how she she rolls. <laughs> just be like, morning, Tempest. Wakey, wakey. It's time to get ready for the day. Come on, we're losing sunlight. <laughs> Tempest will get up. Ariel's just taking her quick shower and then she'll walk back into the room. I forgot my towel, sorry. <laughs> and just deep dripping. Kanina would be kind of just like trying not to look and just being like, every time. <laughs> Does Ariel intend on finishing her shower before the rest of the party leaves to go talk to the like city council? We uh, have plans to go down there together to talk. So Kanina doesn't plan on leaving without everybody. But in the time that everybody else is finishing up the preparations for the morning, Kanina will take the time to grab the uh, scroll case of the minor enchantment to take it downstairs to our cart, and she'll try to remove the Farron symbol. As you walk down the stairs, just, Ah, good morning! I don't believe you informed us yesterday. Will you be checking out this morning, or do you need yet another day? Ah, uh, no, we'll be checking out this morning. Very well. And will you be ordering breakfast again today? Or you and your... I mean, I just see you by yourself, but are you guys going to be making your way shortly? About what time would this be in the morning? Um, uh, about 7. 6.30 to 7. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll go ahead and order some breakfast. 
Okay, and will you be paying for it and sending it up to the room? Would you like us to wait until one of the rest of you guys comes down? Uh, I'll go ahead and have it sent to the room. My uh, friends are still getting ready for the morning, so I'll have it sent up there while I take care of some business real quick. All right, and the same as yesterday was? Uh, Yes, please. That will be uh, 14 gold, Uh, and we'll get the platters made up and sent up to your room. I appreciate it. Thanks. And uh, is the cart that we have still uh, easily accessible? I wanted to go check some things before we headed out for the morning. It's it's accessible enough. We do have it just in the stable house. Because we didn't know that you guys were actually leaving today, The it's not been pulled out yet. But if you're going back there, then you can let the stable hands know that you're planning to leave here shortly. And they can get things ready for you. But if you'd like to see the cart now, then it should be accessible enough for you to get to it. Uh, yes, I'll, I'll go ahead and do that, and I'll let them know, so that way, by the time we finish up breakfast and packing, we should be uh, all ready to go. All right, and a uh, good day to you, and thank you for your stay. Yes, thank you very much. It was a pleasant experience. We appreciate it. We try our best. So Kanina walks around to the stable house and raps on the door, and one of the stable hands comes out. Yes, may I help you? Uh, yes, good morning. Good morning. Uh, we're we're checking out for the day, so we wanted to make sure that our cart was uh, prepared for our departure. Uh, no one said to get a cart ready this morning. Yes, I'm sorry. It was a rather last-minute decision. We forgot to uh, spread the word last night. <laughs> he looks out. How soon do you need it ready? Well, you know, another hour or so. So we're not in any big rush, but we do have a uh, ship to leave on at 9 a.m. So we'll want to make sure that it's ready at least by 8.30. All right, we will start getting things pulled out and set up for you. Uh, which cart were you again? Um, she'll kind of lean over and take a look to see where we might have it if it's poking out. Yeah, he, like, he opens up the door the rest of the way and invites you in so that you can point out which cart and horses are yours. Kanina will go ahead and get you to it and be like, uh, before we start getting it ready, I, um, is the symbol of the Farron Guild kind of accessible for me? Um, it's, it's accessible enough. I mean, it's, it's pretty tightly into a stall, but you can fit your way back there. Kina will just be like, oh, before, before you guys start getting it ready, I'm just going to take care of uh, some business really quick. And she'll... Oh, I remember you guys have the Farron cart. Ah, yes, yes. It's a little fucked up. (laughs) Oh, well, the cart's ours now. We, uh, solved some issues and through many various, uh, (laughs) legal transactions, we have obtained the cart. (laughs) Hey, this cart's between you and the fair and travel company. That's all I know. Yes, it'll be just a moment, and she'll go ahead and take care of the scroll and use her arcane expertise to apply it to remove the symbol so we won't have any other issues going forward. You have a relatively simple incantation scribed down on this scroll, and as you read it off, the magic takes effect, and the wood, like, regrows itself to fill in where the Farron family crest was on the side of the cart. Keenan will do a final kind of inspection of just what she can see of the cart, make sure that the symbol's good and there's nothing else to remove. And after that's taken care of, uh, she'll bid the uh, stable worker a good day. There is still some somewhat superficial damage to the cart, but the Farron family crest is gone and you have a deed that gives you ownership of this cart as well as the two horses. Nina has plans for this cart. Great plans. (laughs) 
And for the rest of the party that is getting ready to depart, a few moments after Kanina leaves, you hear a kind of tapping at the bottom of the stairs and a little elven voice that just says, Food's ready. Is it okay if I come up? Wait, Ariel still be in the shower? Well, how long is your shower? Probably at least like 10 minutes with how long her hair and stuff is. It probably was not less than 10 minutes. I didn't know if Tempest was still in bed and if he was still in his room doing his thing. We were technically the only ones that had left our rooms. Tempest has drug herself out into the the main room and is starting to pile stuff. Hello? Is anyone up? I'm just going to come up there, I guess. And Tempest sees a little elven boy walk up carrying a couple platters of breakfast foods and is somewhat startled. Oh, oh, oh. There is someone up here. Um, I'm just I'm just bringing your breakfast in. Kind of makes a wide path around you. Sets it down on... Yeah, just set it there. Food's here! <laughs> good, good day, good day. Have a, have a good one. And scampers out, head back down the stairs. It's his teal. A few more moments go by, and as Kanina makes her way towards the room, Elowin goes, uh, Your food has been delivered upstairs. Um, one of our runners took it up for you, so breakfast is upstairs for you. Ah, oh, perfect timing. I'm starving. Yes, thank you very much. You are very welcome, and have a good day. With a pep to her step, she'll hop up the stairs to go grab some food and meet with her comrades. So we more firmly get to about 7 a.m. on the 6th of Mananon. The party is all pretty much packed and ready, has food to eat from. Nina will go ahead and kind of look around to see how the rest of the party is doing as far as getting ready and waking up. I think by this point, Tempest would be a plate of food in. Rem has probably finished packing up his stuff and triple, quadruple checking it and moving it out to the common area. Ariel has finished up her shower and gotten dressed and pulled her bags out. And everyone's kind of sitting down to breakfast before you guys check out. Kenny will go ahead and say, like, yeah, I figured we should get some good breakfast in us before our long boat ride. So be a nice, good, fulfilling meal before we head out. Thank you, Nina. Do you want me to help you pay for this? No, it's perfectly fine. You paid for it last time, so I have no problem paying for this one. Okay, well, all right. No, I think it would be nice to all enjoy each other's company around a nice bit of breakfast before we head out. Then after this, um, we should go see the uh, town leaders and tell them our story about Grimfang. Sounds good. With that, Kanina will also grab a plate of food and enjoy it quite a bit while I sprinkle some spices on it, yes. Make it a little more spicier. Not zesty enough for her appetite. <laughs> Kanina, I don't imagine, has too much to pack up. She might have one or two pieces of clothing that she needs to really pack away and tuck away nicely in her packs to make everything fit properly because she kept pretty tidy the whole time since she was on the couch in the main area. So she kind of wanted to not spread out too much. (laughs) She does have a couple gifts that need to be packed up, though. That is true. Kanina will go ahead and pack up the two uh, Midnight Carnival cloaks that she bought, as well as one of the bottles of alcohol. She'll have to probably tuck a few things things in a little bit <laughs> and shove them in there because I don't imagine the cloaks are going to fit in there quite so well. <laughs> and 
and does the party kind of grab all their bags at this point and go see about dropping them off at the cart or do you guys plan to head over to the town hall first and then come retrieve your stuff? I think we should probably go to the town hall first because we don't know because it's only probably been a half an hour to an hour maybe that we've been eating so I don't want to rush the uh, cart people because they may not be ready yet. I didn't get a time estimate unfortunately. Okay. So the party makes their way downstairs heading to the town hall that is in the same city square that you guys have been staying on. You guys have been staying at what would be like the north edge of it over by the arena and town hall is it's a pretty big square but town hall is on the the southern like central part of the ring. It's pretty much exactly mirrored by the arena itself. Convenient. And as you guys get to the bottom of the stairs, uh, Tariel is standing there once again. It's like, I don't see your bag, so I'm guessing that you're not quite ready to be checking out. Checkout will be in about an hour and a half so that we can start getting the room ready in case someone else wishes to reserve it for tonight. Uh, Yes, of course. So just take caution. You guys are free to go roam about the city some more, but do make sure you come back in a reasonable manner. Uh, About what time would this be? Uh, Checkout should be about 9 a.m. We'll want to be gone for then anyways. Uh, but yes, yeah, so we should be back briefly. We have a bit of a meeting to attend to um, with the town leaders. So we will be back very shortly. Uh, I We understand. We understand. Um, we will see you shortly then. And good luck with this meeting of yours. With that, we'll go ahead and head out. And as you guys walk out into the city square, things do look quite a bit different than they did previously. Most of the booths that had been set up over the last couple days have been torn down. There's still a couple areas that have stalls set up, but at this point, it is obvious to you guys that the time of the Midnight Carnival has come to an end and the city is starting to return to its normal self. The banners over at the arena have been taken down. You guys do not see a single trace of one of those dark blue and purple tents that had been selling the souvenirs of the carnival itself. And as you look to the south, there is a large central building a couple hundred feet away that you guys can make your way over to. And someone at some point in your guys' stay has pointed out that that is the city hall. Upon entering the city hall, there is a large desk in a kind of central greeting area that has a man standing behind it. Looks to be on the older side, probably late 60s, early 70s. This man had been staring down through glasses at a scroll that he's currently scribing something into with ink and quill and looks up to you guys. State your business. How may we be of assistance to you? Ah, yes. Good morning. We're adventurers from the uh, Guild of Adventures in Riven. Oh, adventurers from the Guild of Riven. You guys are quite a ways from home. Indeed. Uh, we had some business to take care of in Starin, and we are on our way back to Riven. But we wanted to inform you that we had taken care of a knoll problem that was plaguing your lands business business and the man starts looking through a scroll sets the quill back in ink i see nothing written down for business with the guild of adventurers today ah yes do you have the wrong time 
Oh, I don't believe we were technically scheduled. We were informed uh, on our way into the city that we should tell uh, one of the important families that we had killed a knoll by the name of Grimfang. It was quite uh, quite the large knoll organized various uh, war parties that were plaguing the travelers on the road from here to Staren. Hmm, Grim, Grimfang, you say? See him moving some books aside, pulls one out. Grimfang, Grimfang, um... Oh, yes, I do see some notes here about a Grimfang. Um, let me see. Who is free right now? Um, did you have a... You just said one of the families. Did you have one that you were directed to speak to? Um, not one in particular, but I guess we do have some familiarity with the Farron family. Is the Farron family who you'd wish to speak to? It looks like we also have some... Availability with the Marsks and the Aranor clan. Um, whoever would be most available to speak to immediately, we do leave um, at around 8.30 for Riven. So if we could speak to someone more immediately, that would be more convenient. I know it's a little bit of an inconvenience to ask this so suddenly. How long do you expect this meeting to last? Uh, not very long. Maybe how long will we have until the boat leaves? Or until we are scheduled to be there. At this point, you have like an hour to an hour and a half. All right. So she'll say probably around 40 minutes to an hour. Enough to tell our tale and uh, discuss any qualifying business that comes after. Hmm. Yes. Um, I do see that no one has any official business for the next couple hours. So um, take your pick as you wish. Is there any particular family that would handle these sorts of things normally? Mm, you, let me see as I look over at the Grimfang stuff. Um, there could be cause here to speak to the Aranor clan as he speaks for one of the dwarven families, but I don't know how strong his current ties are to this to Staren Geld. Um. Uh, reasonably any of them because they do have a bit of stake in the city could be one to speak to do you have a preference for speaking to someone by themselves or as a group is he referring to us as a group or as to their family as a group uh the speakers for the family ah um, we we do have one of the mouths of Farron in uh Hamith does speak alone for the Aranor clan, but if you'd like to have a couple, then Roran and Evelyn of the Marsks would be available. So if you'd like to speak to us, a single person or a couple, then we could arrange that. And which clan did he say was the ones that were associated with the dwarves, possibly? Uh, the Aranor. Kanina will go ahead and look at the rest of the party and be like, well, we're a bit familiar with the Farrens, so that would give us some footing somewhat, but I also like the idea of talking with the Aranors, since it seems like they may have some uh, knowledge of some of the dwarves we interacted with in Staren. That may give us a good uh, leeway into conversation and connections. Yeah, I, I agree. Rem, Tempest? Yeah, that sounds good. Mm-hmm. So you'd like to speak with the Aranor then? Uh, yes, please. All right, um, come with me. And the man takes you behind the counter and there are a handful of doors in kind of a semi-circular fashion at the back of this room. And he knocks on one of them, uh, opens the door slowly and leans in and is like, 
Ah, uh, Hamath, we have a couple people that wish to speak to you. They said something about uh, Grimfang and some gnolls. And you guys hear from inside the room. Well, bring them in. I suppose I've got some time. And the man kind of steps aside, waves his arm in, and lets you guys walk into the room. Ariel's going to walk up to him and put out her hand limply like she wants something <laughs> oh, <laughs> from no. the druid guy. So you, you walk up and daintily put your hand like over his nameplate, I guess. Yep. And he <laughs> looks up, looks at your hand. What do you want me to do with that? He even will kind of walk up behind her and just kind of like grab her arm and kind of pull her back and be like, wait, wait, <laughs> you didn't let me. As you're pulling her backward, Ariel's in the middle of saying, hi, I'm Ariel. So um, can you just be like, uh, yes, yeah, so this is Ariel. I'm Kanina. Good morning, sir. And she'll just be like, we're, we're from the Guild of Adventurers in Riven. Uh, the Guild of Adventurers in Riven. I haven't heard of any of your guys' presence in here in a long time. And at this point, you know, Kino will let you go. She just wanted to kind of pull you back a couple steps before we introduced ourselves fully. <laughs> and the the rest of you? Fine, I will go next. I'm Hammoth Stone Speaker. Speaker of the Aranor Clan. Tempest just sort of, like, raises her hand a little bit. Tempest. Okay, the water one is Tempest. Very fitting. And he lifts his head up, stares at Rem. Rem stares back. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just have you know that you guys were brought to me. And, uh, it's is... rude to not introduce yourselves. <laughs> I'm Rem. Pleasure to meet you, Rem. So, uh, Councilman Ebert didn't tell me what you guys were here for. Ah, uh, yes. We wanted to speak with you about uh, the matter of Grimfang, who is a knoll known on the roads for attacking travelers passing through here to Starin, Starin Guild. We, uh, we Grimfang. Let's see. Drops a book on the table, opens it up. G. R. Ah, Grimfang. Yes. Uh, yes, we uh, we wanted to inform you that we have taken care of the problem. We have uh, slayed Grimfang and many of his gnolls. Slain Grimfang? Indeed. It says here that Grimfang is at fault for the halt of no less than seven deliveries. And you guys have slain him. What proof do you have of this deed? Uh, Kanina will withdraw the uh, the letter from Sterengild that professes us as the slayers of Grimfang and that we have done a good deed for the people of Steren and Sterengild. So you, you hand this letter over and Hammoth takes it in his hands, lays it out, spreads it. You see him grab a like half magnifying glass and hold it over. Grimfang slayed. You guys had members of the Blackguard with you. Indeed we did. They did. Um, they were greatly uh, helpful in the assistance for slaughtering Grimfang. Hmm. Ulian speaks quite highly of you guys. That's good to hear. I once considered Ulian a friend. A little harder now with the distance between us, but I'm, I'm aware of who he is and the Blackguard and... It's good to see that the uh, the elite guards of my hometown are re- helpful and responsible for defeating of this Grimfang. 
and it looks like we managed to do it without losing anyone, too, after so many have befallen the tyrant. Yes, we took uh, many preparations and careful planning to make sure that we would lose as little life as possible, except for the gnolls. And he starts to fold up the letter, and you see him slide the book that he had pulled out in front of him over, dip his quill in some ink, and start scrawling some notes out directly in the book that, that he had pulled. Well, the Aranor clan thanks you for the deed that you guys have done. That is that is good news. We can reopen the Norgeld Road to those that can't afford to bring their own mercenary groups with them. Yes, we're pleased to uh, be of assistance as the Adventuring Guild of Riven. Is there any more that you have for me? Or anything you need from uh, the Aranor clan? I think we just wanted to spread the word. So if you could let the other families know as well, since we have to leave this morning. That is something that I can do, yes. I will definitely make sure that people are made aware of that the Norgeld Road is now as safe as it once was. It's been months since we've been able to use that path. You know, anyone that can't afford to hire their own band of mercenaries to make sure that the gnolls don't attack them has had to spend an extra week going both directions as they cross around the north side of the lake. It's our duty as adventurers to make sure that paths like this are safe and ready for travel for any uh, passerby. Should should I? I didn't see it in the letter from Ulian. Should I note this down in the books as something taken care of by the Adventurers Guild then? Yes, I think that would be uh, quite apt. I see. Scribbles down a little bit more into the, the book that he's pulled out. I've entered it into our copy of official records for the city. I will make sure that this is distributed to the other families and have their record keepers also update it. And if you guys have any more problems or need help with anything, just let the Guild of Adventurers know. And us or another group might be out to help you. Yep, and we're always taking uh, more adventurers. If anybody feels the need to come train, uh, Riven's a great place, and we're always willing to help new people fight uh, fight against the works of evil in the world. It's good to see that the Adventurers Guild is getting out there in more force, putting a stop to things that need stopping. That's that's good to hear. Do we get to keep the letter from Ulian? Mm. Uh, Hammoth starts to fold up the letter from Ulian and pass it over to Kanina, since she's the one that handed it to him in the first place. She'll take it back because she does intend to give it probably to uh, the Guild of Adventurers as well to make sure, you know, here's our proof of completion that we have done more than just going out and partying. <laughs> no, <laughs> but no, just a, uh, a good backup piece so that we have proof of our deeds. Nina will tuck away in a safe place. And uh, he continues to keep writing into the book that is in front of him. And you see him stop, read a little bit of it, write a little bit more. And it's like, oh, interesting. Um, Before you guys leave. And you see him push his chair back, hop down from it. And a few moments later, jumps back up. It does appear written in here is that for the slaying of Grimfang, there is a purse of gold for you in, in it. Oh, is there? And he sets a, it's its on the, the smaller side, but he sets a, a small uh, pouch of gold on the desk in front of him. Um, I suppose it's up to you to figure out how to divvy it up, but there were a number of families that put a little bit into a pot for whoever could uh, 
put a stop to this. Um, I see here that it's a handful of businesses that have been set back because they've had to travel farther, a couple businesses that have actually lost shipments and knew that there wouldn't be a way to recover the costs. Uh, looks like a couple people here actually put in a reward for family members that they had lost along the road, people that were, were taken and uh, presumed killed by the gnolls. I see. Uh, that's terrible news to hear that so many people were affected by this for so long, but we will gladly accept the reward payment to fuel our adventures to stop these kinds of acts in the future. Now, Kanina will go ahead and take up the purse and we'll count it out and divvy it out in our own quarters later. Is there anything else that I can help you with before you guys leave for the day? No? Okay, I will go back to uh, continue filling in the records here. Kanina will go ahead and kind of wrap up the conversation as well and just be like, yes, uh, thank you very much for your help. Uh, I'm glad we were able to inform you and properly go throughout the uh, information process of the story. You'll go ahead and fold up the uh, notes and pack away the, the purse of coins and we will take our leave. Arrow's gonna be like, so we don't, and put her hand out and then be like, Nina said no in her head. And then, okay, okay, okay. And let's turn around with Nina. <laughs> as, as you put your hand out, he just kind of in a big meaty hand, just like gives a handshake <laughs> <laughs> to like the tips of your fingers. Ariel's going to grin because it worked. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And as you guys make your way out of Hammoth's room, the person working the front desk turns at the sound of the door opening. It's like, Ah, so you were able to take care of your business relatively quickly. Indeed we were. Is there anything else that we can do for you at the City Hall of Port Norsal? Ah, I don't believe so. I believe we've taken care of all of our business for the day. But uh, thank you for your assistance. All right then. Good day. Yeah, good day. And with that, we'll head back to the inn, I believe, unless anybody else has stops on the way. As you guys make your way out into the city square once again, it's been 15, 20 minutes or so, and there's actually a bit of a crowd that has started to form off on the like eastern side of the square. It's it's a little bit little bit of ways away from you, but you just see a congregation of people there that was not there before. And from this distance, you can hear some shouting, but you can't quite make out what it is. Smoke or fire or anything, is there? No, there is not. <laughs> um, is it in the... It's in the opposite direction of the way that you guys need to go. I see. What kind of shouting? Like, panic? Like, just or... people angry at each other? Yelling at each other? Or, like... It sounds more more angered shouting and less panicked shouting. How unusual would this be? In a big city, not necessarily unusual. Um, go ahead and uh, roll perception for anyone that's actually taking note of this. Ariel? Uh, six. Kanina? 19. Rem? 21. Tempest? 20. So everyone except Ariel. Well, she's got the thing on her back, so she's probably just more paying attention to making sure nobody around her is touching it. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone except Ariel notices as they stop and look over at this crowd for more than a couple moments that there are a handful of guards there. They do not seem to be tensed or at the ready yet. So one would believe that either this is something that 
does not yet need intervention, or at the very least, the guards are already aware of it. I think especially since there's guards there, I don't think, and this is a big city, so this isn't super, super unusual. I don't think Kanina's first instinct is to go over there to investigate, especially since the guards aren't, you know, all at arms right now. Because she knows we have a deadline to keep, so I think she's looking to go back to the inn. All right. Does the party just head back to the Farron's favor then? Anybody has a burning curiosity. Ariel doesn't know anything about it, so she's just walking unless someone stops her. (laughs) All right, so you guys make your way to the Farron's favor, grab your gear and everything. I will also take a moment as we're in our room to divvy out the uh, purse money that we got. All right, you were given a purse of 120 gold. 30 gold each. Yep. We'll uh, finish grabbing all of our bags. We'll uh, divvy up the reward money that we got for killing Grimbang, and we'll head downstairs and out to our cart. As you guys grab your bags and head downstairs, Tariel goes, I see you have your bags with you this time. Yes, we have uh, finished our business in the city and we're ready to head out. Is our cart ready? So I am now safe to assume that you are checking out. Yes. And they look over at Elowen, who makes a note down on a scroll that they have in front of them. Yes, your cart should be ready at this point. It has been about an hour or so. Um, Feel free to make your way through the city and good tidings to you. I know that you are not from our fair city, so I bid you farewell and good luck on your travels once again. Yes, thank you for the lovely stay. It was a nice experience. And uh, if we ever come back this way, we'll likely stay here again. (laughs) We do try our best. Yes, well, good day and I hope uh, business treats you well. With that, Kenina will go to load up the cart. All right, the party loads up their cart and begins making their way out to the wharf district. Kenina will go ahead and drive for Steven. Make your way slowly through the, the city. And once again, everyone go ahead and roll perception. Ariel. 14. Kenina. 3. Rem. 18. Tempest. 15. I'm too busy with the horses, dang it. (laughs) Rem and Tempest, as the cart crosses over to the other side of the square, you you hear yelling once again. And um, the only thing that that you make out at this point is just, is anyone willing to come to the defense of this man? If I look over, can I see the man they're speaking of? If you look out the like window of the cart, you see that the crowd that was gathered has a man standing kind of tall and almost obnoxiously proud with a scroll in his hands and flanked by four guards on each side. Two of the guards on one side are holding a, another man that's looking fairly sheepish in between them. And in the uh, the hands of the man with the scroll, you see a small blacksmith's hammer. Do I recognize this? No, you recognize none of the people involved. Other than the city guard, you recognize their quote-unquote uniform at this point. And I know Kanina doesn't see this, but what does the, the hammer, the, the blacksmith hammer, is that on the scroll or is he holding a hammer with the scroll? No, he's holding a, a scroll in one hand and a hammer. Oh, okay, okay. Well, Kanina doesn't see shit and she's driving, so unless somebody says something, she's going to be like, yep, on her way. Do, 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 do. <laughs> 
And as the cart pulls away, you know, a handful of seconds pass and Ram and Tempest here. Then I hereby decree that this man be stripped of his rank and title and his holdings be divvied up amongst the other families. And the cart makes its way out into the main road and heads off towards the wharf district. The cart makes its way over to the wharf district. Um, Thorstag's ship, the Iron Cask, is exactly where you guys had left it the day before. Kanina sees milling about on the top of the ship is a handful of dwarves, and you slowly begin guiding the horses along this path. Go ahead and roll animal handling. 21. All right, then. Uh, Kanina expertly seems to be in tune with these horses and is able to coax them out onto the docks. You know, she can tell that they were nervous as you started to guide them towards water and begin walking down the center of these docks. The people in front of you start parting ways around your cart because the cart takes up like probably two thirds of the space of the dock. I'm imagining that this is about 15 feet wide. So there's like a three foot gap on either side. Some of the people are smart enough to stand off on some of the, the splits in the dock so that they have a little bit more room to get out of the way and uh standing like dead in front of you right right in the middle of the the dock is thorstag right in front of the iron casks sort of loading ramp ah nina Ah, thorstag morning i see you brought the cart it's not made out of metal Ah, uh, no, no, that's given us some trouble in the past, but I'm sure it's fine, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I believe that I was told about, uh, something about a burning incident. No, 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 it's, 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 it's all repaired now. It's just just a minor few, few, few bit of flames here and there. Ah, don't bullshit with me, girl. I can still see the scorch marks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was, there was a little bit of a mishap on some of the open roads. I'm hoping to remedy that in the future, though. <laughs> Well, we got the, uh, we got everything loaded up and below deck. Looking at the size of this thing and the horses and everything, we're gonna have to be a little creative. We're gonna have to tie the cart up on the top deck and I guess we'll be working around it for the next couple days. And, uh... Ah, sorry for the inconvenience, but I'll do anything I can to help secure it. The horses, I guess we can keep in the, the central pathway through there just so that they're out of the elements. I don't want to try and get him down the stairs, that's for sure. Oh, I think uh, Ariel is definitely <laughs> willing to help with that as well, so. Of course. We, we have some experience uh, traveling with these animals for quite a while now, so I feel like they'll we'll be able to coax them down there somehow. You ever taken them on a boat? No, but, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll figure out something. At least I can tell they trust you guys. And uh, Thorstag starts walking his way up to the cart and uh, like leans up on the footboard over by Kanina. So uh, I'm willing to get you back home to Riven, but we probably should uh, address something. Oh? I'm getting paid for this, right? Of course. Yeah, we haven't really discussed that yet. Yeah, uh, let's see. You know I'm always good to pay you back, Thorstag. So let's see. What kind of payment should we uh, think here? Because I expect we'll probably have to be paying a little bit more to take care of the uh, the animals and the cart and whatnot. So. Yeah. So let's see. I'm thinking 
It's gonna be about five days to get us to, to Riven. So, you said there's there's four of you, right? And two horses, yes. So you got you got four people, you got two horses, and you got a cart. And we can help fish. Yeah, we can always try to help provide rations. Okay, so so f- food food might be covered a little bit. We can you know we'll we'll reimburse the food thing if if the fishing's good. Uh, let's see. So one of us has sailed before. We can help with knotting. Is that how you say it, Tempest? Is it knotting? Knots. <laughs> Tying knots. Tying knots. I'm getting pretty good at it, actually. Thorstag looks over at his ship. Well, there ain't any sails, so... Oh, damn. Doesn't quite work that way. Swabbing? Well, we're good to pay up front, and otherwise we can always uh, find some chores to help out around the ship to help make things easier on everyone here. I'd hate to be a, <laughs> a bother, you know, so... How's about we do this... Uh, how's 90 gold sound? You know, four people, five days, two horses, five days. That's only a few gold per person and animal per day. Uh, would Kena know if this is, like, a normal kind of rate he would be charging? It's a little hard for you to to guess because the horses are an unknown element, but you have a feeling that there's a little bit of a friends and family discount mixed with, I know you guys are good for helping. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the meta side of things, I'm I'm putting it at like two gold per person per day and five gold for the horses per day. Okay, um, Kino will go ahead and uh, she'll go ahead and fish out her money because she knows we just got paid too from the Grim Fang experience and just be like, well, of course, I, I do appreciate everything you're doing for us and <laughs> I'm looking forward to f- adventuring with you guys again through the open seas. So she'll go ahead and fork over uh, 95 gold and just be like, I'll throw in a little bit extra just for the extra <laughs> trouble we've caused you. Yeah, yeah, I know you're good for it. That's why I didn't, you know, <laughs> make a big deal out of things earlier. And I know that the adventuring life, you know, you make some good coin. So I, I wasn't worried that you were going to try to cheap out on me. I just realized, you know, figured before we get everything on the boat, we should make sure that that's all squared away. Of course, of course. And, you know, you know especially with a little bit of discretion going. Mm-hmm. And I know it was such short notice, so I'm very glad that we could you could put us up. And uh, I know it's a little uh, unorthodox having the cart on the boat and the uh, the two horses. And he fairly abruptly pulls away from you, thumps pretty hard on the side of the cart as he kind of backs further up into the front of things and shouts onto the deck, "Hey, Nina's here! Go ahead and get the cart up on the on the deck and get it all strapped down and make sure the horses are all all taken care of. We're gonna keep them stored in the in the hallway between the rooms just to keep them a little bit protected from everything. And there's just a, a echo of eyes from around the deck and four dwarves uh, stop what they're doing and head over to help help you guide the horses up the ramp over the like because this is a cargo ship there's a big part of the railing that pulls out so that they can make a fairly wide ramp and the cart's able to to pull on with relative ease it's a little tricky but with the help of all the dwarves and your previous animal handling check you get them on pretty okay and they, they get the cart pulled over to one side, start strapping the wheels to the side of the deck. On the other side, they get straps to tie the wheels into the grating that kind of covers the cargo hatch below deck. 
I'm sure Kanina will, you know, after grabbing her personal pack and stuff for wherever we're going to be staying, uh, she'll try her best to help out and strapping in the cart or moving down the horses if we needed to start doing that. So. Ariel will be doing the same thing. Yeah, one of the dwarves that's helping you just goes... Yeah, so you guys are going to be in the, the the rooms up in the front of the, the main deck up here. And uh, that that's where Captain Thorsteg's telling you that we're going to keep the horses. Uh, you know, you got one room on the left. You got one room on the right. We're going to find a way to tie up the horses in the middle there. It's, it's going to be tight, but, you know, we got to make something something work for you, don't we, Nina? Yeah, no, I appreciate everything. I like that the horses are going to be right next to us. And as everyone starts to get things unpacked from the cart, anything that you guys want to have as personal belongings in your room and starts to get the horses tied up, I need everyone to go ahead and make another perception check. I'm rolling really bad. I'm all over the place. (laughs) Ariel. Six. (laughs) Kanina. Ten. Rem. Was perception? Yes. 25. Wow. Tempest. 16. Rem, as you guys are starting to get your packs all pulled over to your rooms and everything, there's a point that you're getting out of the cart and you happen to notice over on the deck that Thorstag is talking to someone that you haven't seen before. It is a short looking uh, hooded figure that you see hand over to him a small chest and a moderately sized pouch. You see Thorstag pocket it and carry this small eight inch wide, four inches tall and deep case up onto the boat and head towards his room. Can I, with my perception, do I get any kind of hints on what this hooded person looks like, race or anything like that? Based on the fact that they are standing next to Thorstag, you get the impression that they are a dwarf or possibly a stouter halfling, based on the height and how broad they are. Male, female. From your angle with the fact that they're wearing a hooded cloak, you cannot make out. I will then watch, like after Thorstag takes the the pouch and the chest, I will watch the hooded figure surreptitiously. All right, you see that as Thorstag turns and starts walking up the ramp, the hooded figure turns um, just on a heel and starts walking back towards the wharf. Okay. And because of the shape of the boat and everything with the kind of front housing cabins, you relatively quickly lose sight of them as they're past where the cabins block your view. All right. Mysterious. You continue going about your business, putting your stuff in the room. Mm-hmm. You guys all finish loading up your rooms. What is the, the room arrangement? You, you do have access to both rooms. There's one on the left and one on the right. And as the only actual passengers, you guys have been given access to both of them. So uh, who wants to share what room? I'm good with sharing with anybody. But Are you going to wake up early and exercise? Of course. It's good for you. You should join us sometime. Rim points to the room and goes, I'm taking that one. Just blocks it. <laughs> so do you want to join the exercise club or do you want to join Rim? Tempest just follows Rim <laughs> into the room. <laughs> oh, well then, uh, maybe next time. <laughs> She'll kind of just wave at your retreat. So the door's like, <laughs> I guess that wait works out. Yeah, no, this way we won't disturb anybody by getting up early. Uh, I'm sure Tempest is probably tired of me knocking on the door at you know, the crack of dawn. <laughs> 
that seems like it will be Tempest and Rem and Ariel and Kanina. So the rooms aboard the Iron Cask are relatively small. You're looking at about 15 feet long and about 7 feet wide. They do actually have two smaller beds. You've got one that's like horizontal along the ship. So running like kind of side to side at the very far end of the room. There is a small chest that separates it from another bed that runs front to back along the back wall, kind of to give the most optimal amount of space to have some room to move about. Rem will look at Tempest and look at the beds and then just toss his bag on the bed that goes port to starboard. Okay. That leaves the fore to aft bed to And the party finishes dropping all of their stuff off in the rooms, comes out, and the horses have been tied up. The doors are at, like, towards the middle of the ship, and so the horses are tied up at the, like, front end of this hallway. They've kind of fashioned a spot to loop their leads around the, like, very front edge of the outside of the rooms, which allows them to get underneath the walkway if they need because there's a whole like it's a covered walkway or go out onto the slightly more open bow if they need to you know stretch their legs or lay down but they have a way to get under cover if they need the cart is all tied up to the side opposite where the loading uh, ramp was and at this point Thorstag sees you guys start coming out of your rooms and goes so are we ready to, uh, to, uh, embark, right? They think it's embark when we're leaving. Or is it disembark? Are you guys ready to leave? Yeah, I think we're I'm all... the captain. <laughs> yeah, I think we're all packed up and ready to go and ready to head out. All right, boys, uh, pull up the ramps. Let's get the side back on and let's get out of here. And at this point, you, uh see him go over to an interesting tube device over by his cabin. It's on the outside of it. And uh, you see him yell into this funnel, go ahead and get her fired up down there. And after a few moments, you see, I guess I haven't done the best job of describing the, the rest of the ship. So I've described kind of how the front of the ship is. The back of the ship is Thorstag's kind of captain's room, which you can see there is a deck above his room that has the actual steering controls for the ship. And jutting out of the top of that deck is actually a large metal pipe that after he's called to get things fired up, you see smoke starting to come out of it looks a lot like a metal chimney on the backside of the ship and the smoke builds further and further and uh Thorstag gives one last call well there's gonna be no going back here in a moment you guys sure you're ready to go yep i don't believe we have any more business here it's time to go home He gives a nod to two dwarves that were over by the rigging that held the ship to the dock, and they free their knots on the ropes, pull the ropes aboard, and Thorsteg shouts down the tube once more, All right, we're ready to get moving! And slowly you feel the inertia 
of the ship start to push as it begins backing out of the Port Norsal dock. Farewell, Port Norsal. And Thorstag heads up a ladder to the deck above his room over to the, the wheel and begins guiding the ship to start making its way out of the actual port into the open bay. You hear him shout out another command, and forward! And the ship begins to move forward out into the sea. It's a very interesting feeling for all of you guys that have definitely been on a ship before. The ship moves in a way that feels very sluggish. It takes a while to get any sort of speed and momentum, but it's also much more solid than any ship you've been on before. As you guys come up to waves instead of kind of riding up to the top and following the waves down, it's more pushing the waves to the side and the front of the ship is kind of like a plow that just pushes its way through the water. Knifing your way through the waves. (laughs) I think especially Tempest is really like thrown off by the way this ship feels compared to what she's used to. She's kind of like bracing herself. She's like, what is happening? <laughs> to, to give a like uh, reference back to the real world for us, it's like being on a ferry. Like that, that weird feeling where fairies have more of a gentle tilt back and forth instead of really a sway to them. And also just the way that they push through instead of ride on top of the water. So, who wants to be the victim and roll a d20? Do we want low numbers, you guys? Because I can roll. <laughs> Watch. That's the one time that Let I... The maybe them below. Yeah, Should I let go. the sailor do it? Chris has been rolling the best tonight. He has been rolling the best. It just means I'm, I'm up for a low number. We have no idea if we need a low number or a high number, and it makes more <laughs> sense for the sailor to do it. 17. The ship continues its way away from Port Norsal, slowly but steadily picking up speed. Thorstag, over time, is kind of shouting down to you guys that, Yeah, you see here, the way that we're starting to get up to speed and everything is one of the things that sets the old iron cask aside from the other boats. You know how they kind of rely on favorable winds to get where they're going. We make our own power here, so it might take us a little while to get going, but on these longer hauls where we're going to be moving for a few days, once we get up to speed, we just kind of maintain it the whole way through. Assuming the weather stays on our side, then we should be able to get there probably a day sooner than you're used to. From Kanina's previous experience of being on this ship, um, I imagine she would have poked around somewhat. I don't know if she would have poked around super far, but uh, does she know, do they use... uh like standard fuel to run the ship? Uh, like some sort of, uh, I don't know, coal or wood or some sort of power? Or do they use magical means? Uh, Kanina does know that the ship is powered with charcoal. So there's a, like, it's a boiler system that is used to actually turn the props that push the boat, but it's charcoal that keeps that boiler system heated up. It also is used throughout the rest of the ship to help keep it warmer when it's in the colder months. Oh, wow. That is very handy. Because they are directly generating a heat source on the ship itself. 
I was curious if there's anything that anyone wishes to get done on your first day out at sea beyond just kind of getting your bearings and getting used to being on the ship. Not particularly. I think Kanina will go around and say hello to some of the uh, the dwarves she recognizes from the previous trip. But other than that, Kanina has no plans other than to just enjoy the first day of travel, especially since we had a nice big breakfast before we left. Yeah, and having just left port, your guys' first couple meals are reheated, but stuff that was picked up at port, nothing that had to be be made on the ship itself. So for your first day, you guys are eating pretty good. And you guys come to night, and everyone starts to turn in for the night, because we're going to try to make the return trip a little bit faster than the time we took getting here. The weather was great throughout the entire first day. You guys had open blue skies. The sun was out keeping things nice and warm. So for a kind of first day out at sea, you guys had a pretty good time. As things come tonight, is there anything that anyone wishes to do? Uh, Kenino will help out with the cooking if she can, if we have supplies or things she can add spices to. <laughs> I was going to say, the rest of the crew has nightmares of what she cooked last time. <laughs> uh, if Nina is gone in the kitchen, then Ariel is going to take 40 gold and kind of piece of fabric from something she has. And Ariel just stash the 40 gold in uh, Nina's stuff. And then make note to let her know about it later on. She just doesn't want to forget to give it to her. (laughs) And then she will probably go hang out with Princess and make sure that now that we're moving, that the horses are calm (laughs) and they're okay with everything. And I don't remember if Ariel has any leftover carrots, but if she did, she would probably give them some carrots. So for Kanina, there isn't really cooking per se today it's mostly reheating but that does give the perfect opportunity to go around and add some spices to things (laughs) make reheating taste better Though Kanina does understand the people that she's with and probably wouldn't try to kill them with the spicy food because that's a good way to get thrown overboard. Yeah, she'll go around and she'll be aggressive in her offering for spice. (laughs) You've been around us enough and we've kind of eaten your cooking. I built up your guys' tolerance. Yeah, I think think if anything, Nina would fix our food, (laughs) like our plates. Yeah, she won't try to poison or off anybody by killing their stomachs, but, you know, she will go around people and offer up some spices to kind of uh, kick things up a notch, you know? It's just like, you think this is a little too bland? Here, let me fix that a little bit for you. (laughs) But yeah, since we still have plenty of food and she's not really needed in the kitchen, she'll just spend the time, I think, uh, reminiscing with some people and telling them about our adventures, you know, maybe spreading the tale of Grimfang a bit. I think at some point probably around dinner time then Kinina has like a group of dwarves out in the middle of the main deck kind of all sitting around as you retell the tale of the killing of Grimfang yeah he was this big and he was rotting from the inside out (laughs) (laughs) wait so if he was rotting from the inside out why was he moving I don't know some sort of necromancy I guess necromancy that's not wizard bullshit isn't it Oh, there is a school for it, and it's uh, quite quite looked down upon, but it does have its uses here and there. 
You study the wizard bullshit. Do you do necromancy? <laughs> no, no, I'm a sorcerer. My power comes from within. I, I tend to deal in slightly more elemental magic. Is there dead stuff within? You. No. no. <laughs> Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty lively. Okay. I mean, I, if you want to test that, we can always, you know, just like... No, I just don't want dinner to start moving again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't intend to bring our food back to life. <laughs> I'll make note. Ariel, of course, has the weapon still attached to her. Yeah. <laughs> I think if she hears Nina telling stories and entertaining, if she can hear it, she would probably go up and listen. <laughs> when it comes to tonight, how does kind of the party get ready for bed and everything? Does everyone sort of go to their quarters and at a somewhat normal time? Anyone planning to have a, a late night or anything? Not particularly for Nina, I don't believe. So everyone's kind of gonna go to bed at their their u- somewhat usual times. Unless she yeah. gets a little too caught up partying with the dwarves or something, but yes. <laughs> How about Ariel? Um, Ariel would probably be hanging out with Nina. If Nina's having fun with dwarves, she wants to hang out with them too. All right, so we'll transition to night on the 6th of Mononon. Your first half a day or so of your seaward journey out of the way. And as everyone is sleeping, Ariel, I need you to roll perception with disadvantage. Oh, no. (laughs) If I roll more fours, (laughs) that was worse than a four. It was a two, so it makes it a four. (laughs) Ariel doesn't wear armor, does she? No. Well, thankfully, an eight doesn't hit, does it? No. All right. Go ahead and roll another perception check with disadvantage. Someone's trying to kill you. (sighs) I rolled a four, so that's six. Ariel, you take 27 points of necrotic damage. It's the staff. God, are you alive? Yeah. Don't you have resistance against necrotic? Oh, I think I do. Yes, it is. Oh. I'm resistant against necrotic, so necrotic. Half, I believe, then? It's an odd number, so how do I round that? You round up. Yeah, no, you round up. So 14? Yeah. Can I wake up now? <laughs> yeah. With the damage, you wake up to a black, ghastly figure standing over the top of you. I need you to roll a constitution saving throw. Uh, so 28? Your max hit points do not go down. <laughs> God. Oh my God. <laughs> All right. Everyone go ahead and roll for initiative. Uh. Ariel. Nine. Kanina. 22. Rem. 12. Tempest. 18. Tempest, what's your dex? Plus three. Kanina. Go ahead and roll perception with disadvantage. <laughs> That's a three. All right. At this time, you do not wake up. Ariel does a 21 hit. Yeah. You take 13 points of necrotic damage. So seven? Yes. As this black shade-like figure is floating above you in your bed, and you can just feel your life being pulled out of your face. Go ahead and roll a constitution saving throw. 15. 
All right. Your maximum hit points are not reduced. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so scared. It is your turn. I will say that you can use your action to scream and wake Kanina up. I'm not going to scream on Mike, but Ariel screams, Nina! Can, like, she scoot further back on her bed for her movement? You can. The space given, you're not really going to get away scooting back on your bed. But, Kanina, you wake up to Ariel screaming for you. And as you look over in her direction, you see that there is this ghastly black shade floating over the top of her. And you just see this stream of black energy coming off of her face. Rem and Tempest, go ahead and roll a perception with disadvantage. Tempest. Nine. Total? Yeah. Plus six? Yeah. Rem. Fourteen. Rem, you wake up to what sounds like screaming coming from the room across the hall. Kanina. Yes, Kanina will bolt awake and seeing this weird apparition above uh, Ariel's bed, she will go ahead and just instinctively, not even fully awake, cast uh, Scorching Ray. 22. A 22 will hit. That is 2d6. So basically, Scorching Ray is three rays of fire, and I can hurl them at multiple targets or a singular target. I am choosing a singular target. (laughs) And it is 2d6 fire damage. That is a six. Six damage? What you attack? Create three rays of fire and hold them at targets within range. You can hurl them at one target or several and make a ranged spell attack for each ray. Oh, so do I have to roll for each ray? That, that sounds like, yeah, you make three. You have to make your three attack rolls, though. Okay, so the first one hit for six damage. 17, just base. That's higher than my last roll, so that'll hit. That'll hit, because it's a single spell. Um. Oh, okay. That's a nine. Nine more damage. Yep. Yeah. Is a ten. The last ray is not going to hit. Okay. And is that going to be the end of Kanina's turn? I guess she'll also call out for Tempest and Rem, if she can. So Rem was already awake, but I'll give Tempest another perception check with disadvantage. 15. So Tempest is also going to wake up hearing Kanina shouting, probably shouting the whatever verbal component of her spell there is. And as you look, you see Rem has like jolted awake and is sitting up in his bed as well. But since Kanina managed to wake up Tempest, Tempest, it is your turn. Um, Tempest will hop out of bed. She's much more awake right now than uh, when they try and wake her up in the mornings. Because <laughs> obviously there's a sense of urgency. And they're across the hallway. Is that yeah. what it is? Just directly across? Yeah. So she will go over and open the first door. Because I can't open two doors in one move. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, based on a quick look of the rules, it looks like as written, you could use half your movement to get out of the bed. Mm-hmm. These rooms aren't very long, so you could use five feet of your movement to get to the door open it as part of your move and then you would still have enough movement because there's only a five foot hallway between the doors to get to the second door you could then use your action to open the second door okay and your final five feet of movement to enter the room okay with both doors open sounds good what do i see 
And as the, the door opens, you just hear a dwarf that was on the deck being like, the fuck is going on in there? And you open the <laughs> next door. At this point, you see Kanina in whatever her bed clothes are, standing, arms at the ready, looking <laughs> like she had just cast a spell. Ariel backed into the corner of her bed with a black shade creature pulling black energy out of her face and a couple like burn holes in the <laughs> back one. of the room. There's like a little steam. So I'm in there, but I'm not close enough yet. Yes, the, that would be like 15 feet away, but you've used everything other than your bonus action. Slayer's Prey is a bonus action. So as a bonus action, I will use Slayer's Prey um, and designate the shade creature as my target. All right. And at this, the shade creature looks over at, originally it was just Kanina and now Tempest there. And you hear just a wail from it as it continues looking at Ariel and continues to Dementor style. I was going to say, this is a Dementor. Yeah. Does a 15 hit. Right now. You take five points of necrotic damage. Go three. Yes. You are legitimately the best person to be being attacked by this thing right now. This is why I'm holding the thing. Roll a con saving throw. It's 11. Ariel, your maximum hit points are reduced by three. Oh, okay. So the creature looks over at Kanina and Tempest and then looks back over at Ariel. She's like, (sighs) Rem, it is now your turn. So basically, Rim, having shot awake and hearing all the commotion, will basically like roll out of bed, grab his shield and his war pick, which are leaning against the bed, run across the hall. How far is everything from where I am? Being at the furthest back bed, you can pretty much get to the hallway because you're using half your movement to get out of bed. Okay, so he'll get to the hallway. Can he? You're one step from Tempest. But I'm outside. I can't see anything. I think with the, the flavor of where Ariel went, you could lean to see... Uh, I'm gonna cast Misty Step at the doorway and basically appear right next to Ariel at her bed. And then he's going to use his action to swing with his pick at this thing. 15. 15 does hit. For 10 piercing damage. As you swing your war pick at this, you see that it kind of tears through this incorporeal form and it seals itself back up afterwards, giving you the sense that not all of the damage went through. And is that the end of your turn? That's everything I can do. Ariel, it is now your turn. Um, She's going to grab her necklace and just whimper, Cousina, help. And then she's going to cast Mage Armor on herself using her um, sorcery points. And so she now will have 16 armor class instead of 13. And you said I really can't get away, so I don't really have anywhere to go. Okay, so that'll be the end of your turn. Yeah. Kanina, it is now your turn. And your whole party is here now. Rem actually, like, bolted up behind you and never before seen by you, turned into an eerie mist, shot across the room and re-solidified 
directly next to Ariel. <laughs> yeah, Kanine will definitely be a little bewildered by this because this is the most kind of a magic-y type uh, teleportation type thing she's seen Rem do. But she knows that there's more important matters at hand. So uh, she'll go ahead and cast her mantle of flame on herself. So she'll just be wreathed in flame. <laughs> so it does also uh, brighten the area in a 30-foot radius. <laughs> So the room is now bright light. Yes, it is bright light, reflecting off the metal rock. <laughs> and she'll go ahead and cast uh, Scorching Ray again. And I would like to cast this at a higher level. So I should have four rays that I'm going to be doing. I'm pretty sure both of these are going to hit, because uh, this is without my spellcasting modifier, is a 19 and an 18. Yeah, those will hit. Yeah, so that's those two that hit up. And oh boy, so that is going to be two 14s. Two 14s? Did they hit? Oh, those were to hit? I thought that was your damage. Let me just put the hit points back. <laughs> those will hit though, so you all four of your, your bolts hit. Okay, sorry, my bad. I should have been more clear. And 14 for the first. Oh, hey, 14. Yes, See? <laughs> it's possible! <laughs> Um how, um, how am I going to use this ring? Do I use this ring for every roll or for one re-roll? On... Read the ring. Okay. So, ring of the evoker. When you roll spell damage, you may re-roll one die. You must take the second roll if you do. Requires attunement. Um, I think you could do it for every bolt. All right. I'm going to use that to re-roll my one dice. I got no roll for the exact same roll. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> that's 10. 13. And last one. 12. All right, Kanina, how do you want to do this? <laughs> <laughs> well, I do imagine that uh, now that she's kind of fully awake, especially as the rest of the party is in the room, uh, she probably infernos herself <laughs> as she wraps herself in her flames and she'll just very quick fire and rapid succession uh, the scorching rays. She'll just kind of fly out from her and just like, aim for critical points of the body, you know, a couple to the head, a couple to the middle chest heart area. It's like the first bolt hits this thing in the shoulder, rips it up, the second two hit it in the chest, and the last one hits it right through the middle of the face. And this shade just evaporates into a black smoke. Fueled by the burning desire to protect Ariel. That would have killed it from full hit points. Oh, wow. And that will end this brief combat. Ariel, you will get your full hit points back after completing a long rest. I don't look forward to explaining this to Thorstag and the others. <laughs> Just because I'm standing basically over Ariel, Rim will put his hand down on her and he's going to give her 10 points of healing through his lay on hands. And everyone drops out of combat. What what do you guys all kind of do as the adrenaline starts to flush out of your systems? Rim's still looking around for where this thing came. Yeah. Kanina will definitely try to rush to Ariel's side. And Tempest is still standing in the doorway, like, hand on her <laughs> hilt. <laughs> what the fuck was that? You hear behind you. I agree. What the fuck was that? Uh, Can we use what we saw to make any kind of like roll to try to figure it out? Rem, go ahead and roll a religion check. Religion. Five. We lived in a monastery. Can we roll a religion <laughs> check? <laughs> My general rule of thumb is only two of you get to roll on this kind of thing. I mean, I had a pretty intimate interaction with it. I'll even give you advantage on it, given that you are literally face to face. I rolled a 22. 
through your time at the monastery, you have heard of undead ghostly creatures that are given a purpose and their sole purpose in unlife is to fulfill a master's bidding. And this creature is very reminiscent of something that you guys have learned about with that. Things that you know about it, especially having seen it there, is that it does have the ability to fly and it has a necrotic damage. Is this a vengeful spirit? It is a spirit that was sent, seemingly based on what Ariel knows, to kill her. Hmm. Oh yeah, I will say that um, Kanina did make sure to uh, unmantle a flame herself as she ran to Ariel's <laughs> side before she touched her. <laughs> that would have been an instinct by now after the couple times she's toasted Rem. <laughs> but she'll definitely kind of be looking around the room kind of wide-eyed and just still bewildered at this sudden attack that happened in, in the same room. Like, she was just like, what happened? How did this thing sneak in? So Ariel tried to explain. Uh, so that is a really bad spirit that was hired to kill me. Hired? What do you think it was hired by? It, I, I mean, I've been carrying this thing. Yeah, I, I guess. Fang's weapon, and, and that's evil. What thing? Oh, no. Oh, fudge muffins. Nina? Uh, look, uh, we, you know that whole story about Grimfang I was telling you about, and, uh. Yeah, big fucker, you killed him. Mm-hmm. Yes, well, he, he had this spear on him, this, uh, spear that did necrotic damage, I think, right, Ariel? Yeah. Yes, and, uh, it, uh. We took it with us because we wanted to bring it back to the guild. You took it with you? Yes. Well, well, we can't let it get in anybody else's hands. It's the safest with me at the moment. Yeah, she, she has divine I mean, protection. I you got a fair point, but <laughs> what the fuck? I'm sorry. I didn't think it would cause issues. It's just a spear. We thought we could keep it safely. It hasn't bugged us until it now. It hasn't done it. Yeah, there hasn't been anything. This is the first time it's come up as a problem? Yes. Oh, wait. And then she'll look over at Ariel and be like, huh? Oh, wait. Uh, we can talk about it later, right? Uh, has this made problems before, Ariel? I, I thought it was safe. Uh, we can talk about it. And she's going to look at Thorstag and be like, we can discuss it later. She'll kind of look between I mean, it's two. a little late for me to turn this ship around and go back to Port Norsal. Well, and if I did that, I think all I'd be doing is making the city in danger. So I don't really see another thing that I could do other than keep going. I mean, is it going to happen again tomorrow? Tonight? I don't, I don't know. I don't know anything about this. I don't these. exactly know, but I think us getting it to Riven is the safest thing we can do. It needs to go into higher power hands. Well, you know, I guess the one bright side is it didn't seem to give a shit about any of my crew. No, it's only after me. Then why is it after you? Just because of that spear thing? It's probably because of her close association with the spear. She's the only one who's been carrying it or touching it recently. I don't allow anybody else to touch it. Okay, well, so here's, here's the new rule on the ship. Don't fucking let anyone else touch that thing. I've been really good about not letting it. It goes everywhere with me and Yeah, I'm just it. making it a rule. Okay. Because I don't want to die. I like that rule. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, no, uh, Ariel's been quite vigilant in making sure it stays under her protection and no one else's. She is protected by divine forces, so I think that's probably helped a bit. Nina, yes. you've gotten yourself some strange friends. <laughs> but 
they're reliable. You know, I <laughs> thought you were the weird one when you set the cart on fire. Nope, she's got a deadly spear. Spirit's trying to kill her. Hey, you. Looks over at Rem. What do you got going on? Huh? <laughs> Burning things. Deadly things. I'm sure you two got some shit going on too, huh? Well, she's blue and I'm old. You're my favorite. <laughs> Sorry, Nina. Oh, she'll, she'll just kind of look sadly at her feet. <laughs> he just laughs. Blue girl. Hmm. What's your thing? My thing? I don't really have a thing. You're just blue. And also moist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go back to bed. <laughs> That's probably for the best. We're good now, right? We should be, um... Hey, are you guys good? No one, no one's hurt. No one's missing or anything. Hi, hey, hi. Okay, I think we're, you know, try not to bring any more. I don't know what to say. Try not to bring more spirits. Well, we'll certainly be a little more vigilant about this. I, I didn't know this was gonna be an issue since it hasn't come up before. So I, I didn't know this would happen outside of my dream. Thorstag turns and heads across the main deck. <laughs> hey, I need a drink. It's just like, what did I sign up for? When he leaves, Ariel's gonna look at Rem and Tempest and Nina. So I guess we need to talk before we go to bed again. So a little bit ago, uh, I had a really, really bad dream. And Grimfang and his stupid wolf thing, they... They attacked me in my dream, and Kosain uh, came, my my angel, and I got to fight along Kosain, but like it was really a close call, and it felt super real. Luckily, uh, I thought we had killed them again, but maybe even if killing in my dreams is not really a thing, and maybe he's not really dead, or maybe the spear is calling out to try to get spirits to come. I'm surprised you Take didn't it. tell us about this since... Yeah, it was scary and stuff, but I guess I was just too distracted and I just didn't Yeah, think it was... In. I thought it was dealt with. That's understandable, uh, but I guess we've had discussions before about the importance of dreams, so if anything else odd pops up in the future... Well, <laughs> yeah, if I have any more stuff happen, I just... The thing that's scary is it's all unpredictable. I don't know if another spirit's going to come when I'm trying to sleep again tonight. Like, I have no Did idea. you kill this with Kosane last time? Did I kill Grimfang in the... Yeah, I guess the was it a spirit or was it Grimfang himself? That did this apparition resemble Grimfang in any way? It was a hundred percent like it looked just like him and his friend. They looked just like them. He was black and shadowy. Right. I I remember it was definitely them, and he talked, and he was really angry, and he wanted his spear back, and. I had to put up a barrier wall just to like try to get some health and like I was gonna die in my dream. It was really scary. Yeah, that's certainly terrifying. I'm sorry you've had to battle through all of this alone. Well, I wasn't exactly alone. I had Kosain helping me, and I, tonight I'm pretty sure I Kosain was here. So, yeah, and it helped that this being did a fear in the physical realm, so that we could assist with it as well. Yeah. So. It, it, it's not just my dream now that there's a spirit coming in our real realm. That does make me concerned that maybe it's gaining power if it is the same kind of entity. I don't know if it's this shadowy apparition is the same thing as Grimfang or something summoned by his wrath or who knows because you were the one to strike him down and you're the one carrying his spear. So there's definitely, I think, a grudge there to be had, but who knows if it 
stems from Gimfang himself or some other being entirely. I just know that we have to travel for a little bit, and so each night's going to be a little bit more scary. Yeah, we'll, we'll probably want to keep vigilant and maybe take watches. Yeah. I don't think we should necessarily uh, take our guard down just because we've killed this this shade. Maybe those that wear armor can wear armor for the rest of our <laughs> travels till we get this in more safe hands. Do you guys think we should perhaps share a room for a night? I hate to separate you guys from your beds or anything, but I don't know. Could we move the beds into this room? I mean, they're probably <laughs> somewhat bolted down like what it about could the probably be done but it would be work the bed rolls is a lot more feasible i could give up a bed i'm pretty comfortable sleeping on the floor anyways maybe we'll put like most of our like supplies that we're not using not like not our weapons or something but like into the other room and then better roll it up in this main room here so uh we'll keep vigilant i think for the next couple nights and see how things happen because i don't think we have any good means of purging the spear of its properties until we can get back to the guild. Yeah. If it even is stemming from the spear specifically, <laughs> I would imagine so. I mean, if the spear's just cursed, I could remove curse on the spear, but I'm pretty sure it's more than that. I mean, should I try? You can always try. I don't know if there's going to be any side effects from trying. I don't either. What if there is a side effect and uh, your friend gets angry about it? Is this a good place to try that? Um, I don't know. I don't know too much about removing curses, but am I what able- What if I'm cursed? Are you able to remove curse on yourself? Yeah, I can remove a curse on one of us or an item. Oh, uh, I don't know if uh, having a negative consequence from a curse would outweigh the f- uh, having a shade appear every night that we have to defeat. So I would say it's worth trying. It's worth the risk in my opinion. Uh, would I know anything from my studies uh, about if there's negative consequences for trying to remove a curse or something like that? From your studies, you know that the remove curse spell doesn't seem to have any negative effects regardless of if the target is or is not cursed. However, you also know that it hasn't always been known to fully work. In the case of items with powerful curses within them, remove curse seems to be able to break the curse for a limited amount of time. But through history, once uncursed items have been found and picked up again at a later date and re-bestowed their curse upon the wielder. So yeah, she'll go back to Ariel and just be like, it may be worth uh, trying to remove the curse maybe before we go to sleep. And since it may have a limited uh, time that it can take place. Well, I can try to remove curse two times and then that's it for the, for the night. Yeah, I think uh, that's so all... I can like do myself and the weapon. I think that's a good idea. All right. Uh, before we do anything with the spear specifically, um, she does want to look you over and see if you're like still kind of bloodied or injured or very much. I'm at 31 out of 39. I'm only have eight points miss. Well, yeah. technically more than eight, but currently just eight points missing. Yeah. Well, she'll remind you that we do have uh, a stash of healing potions if you're still feeling a bit injured from the battle. But if you're feeling fine enough for tonight, then we can just go ahead and remove curse. Thank you. Um, I think I'll be okay. All right. Then have at it then. 
All right, I'm going to first try, because I have to touch the weapon, which I've been touching, but I think that means I have to actually touch the weapon itself, not just through the... the... Maybe it's a cursed bed sheet. <laughs> I'm going to unwrap like a corner just so I can touch the weapon, and I'm going to cast Remove Curse on the weapon, and it's just going to sound like a prayer to Kosein. As you touch the spear, go ahead and roll a wisdom saving throw. A uh, twelve. As you begin your magical incantation and touch the spear, there is a flash as your hand makes contact before the spell takes effect, where you see yourself as an undead figure wielding the spear with your own undead companion. And then the magic of your spell takes hold. The vision that you see flashes back away and you feel that your spell slot has been consumed. And then I'm gonna cover that back up and I'm gonna place my hand on my chest and pray to Kosein again in my celestial language and cast Remove Curse again, just on myself. You feel a warmth run through your body and you feel the sense that you have cast a magic spell upon yourself and the energy that you normally feel when you've spent a spell slot feels like it has been used. Go ahead and roll a d8. Uh, two. Okay. And with Ariel having decursified herself. Hopefully <laughs> the weapon. The party starts getting ready to go back to sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, um, we, like you we said, we are probably going to do the whole bedroll thing. Um, Kenina will give up her bed to one of the two, and then she'll stay vigilant by Ariel's side. Ariel gives up her bed as well. So Ariel and Kenina huddle up into the, like, space on the floor between the two beds as Rem and Tempest take the beds. Which bed would you guys take? Rem will probably take the bed closer to the door. Okay. <laughs> I'm probably using my pack as a pillow, and I'm, like, holding on to my my staff. And we are going to go ahead and wrap up tonight's session roughly 2 a.m. on the 7th of Mononon as you guys are sailing between Port Norsal and Riven aboard the Iron Cask. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Adventures in Aurelia. You can help the show out a ton if you tell others about it by sharing episodes on social media. Our website, adventuresinarelia.com, not only has links to our show, but also has our blog and resources like maps and note-taking templates for your own games. Lastly, we'd like to thank the artists who allow us to use their music in our show. Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, Tabletop Audio, Windswept, Sirenscape, Alexander Nakarada from Serpent Sound Studios, Adrian Von Ziegler, Scott Buckley, Michael Gelfie, and Alec Wiesner. You can find links to all these wonderful artists at adventuresinarelia.com forward slash music. <laughs> <laughs>